0: Welcome, Mission View Church. So good to see you this morning. Uh, my name's Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View. If this is your first time here with us, we're so glad you've joined us for worship today. We welcome you online as well. If you're joining on live stream or on Facebook live, we welcome you as well. Um, we're uh, getting to the end of our sermon series called Mass Gatherings. We've been looking in First Corinthians where Paul addresses some issues that the church in Corinth was having um, they were kind of a hot mess, we found out, and Paul was addressing all kinds of issues the church was having. So it's been really neat to see um, how some of the issues that they were having and the, the solutions that Paul brings to these issues actually are practical for us today as we, we strive to be unified, as we strive to, to use our gifts for the common good, for God's kingdom, for His glory and the good of the church um, these principles that Paul has given um, to the church of Corinth are practical and applicable for us today. So it's been really, really good. Um, I've enjoyed going through it so far. And it's, it gets better and better as we go. I'm excited about today's uh, sermon as well. But I wanted to let you know, another thing I'm really excited about is uh, next week's, our last sermon uh, in this series. And then the following week we start our Easter series. So Easter is right around the corner, right? Right. And this year for Easter, Lord willing, we're going to be able to meet together last I don't know if you remember or not, but last Easter, we were not able to gather together as a church. The first time I, I never thought I would ever see that as a pastor, that the church wouldn't gather on Easter, Resurrection Sunday. You know, we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. But on Easter, Resurrection Sunday, that we wouldn't gather together. I'd never thought I'd ever witness that. But last year that happened. But this year, we, Lord willing, are going to be able to gather together and celebrate Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday together. So we are really, really excited about that. And I I want to encourage you, even now, uh, begin talking to your friends about uh, maybe coming uh, to Easter Sunday morning. It's a great opportunity for us to invite our neighbors, our friends, coworkers. You know, it's a it's that time of year Lent started with Ash Wednesday. There were people that had ashes on their foreheads. There's this whole thing going on in our culture um, where spirituality, that kind of stuff, even the culture is thinking about that right now. So it's it's a great opportunity for us to invite our our maybe. I like to call them pre-Christian friends, our pre-Christian neighbors or co-workers, you can invite them to our Easter services, maybe even invite them for the whole sermon series. The sermon series is going to be called Resurrections, and so it's, uh, it's going to be a fun sermon series to go through, and that's actually going to be in 1 Corinthians as well. All right, well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that's where we're going to, we left off last week, and we're going to pick up again verses 1 through 25 in chapter 14. As we've been studying this together, one thing has really been brought to the surface. Spiritual gifts, these three chapters are on a correction to the spiritual gift. Now, it's not a doctrinal thesis or biblical overview or even a systematic theology of spiritual gifts. This is God addressing, through Paul, the misuse of one spiritual gift, the gift of tongues. Now, I believe many churches have taken these chapters and built entire doctrines around the whole of spiritual gifts. And I want us to be aware that that's probably not the best thing to do to take three chapters of the Bible where God's really addressing the misuse of a gift, and then take those three chapters and build an entire doctrine on the gifts. Now we know that uh, the list of gifts that Paul gives here in First Corinthians is not even exhaustive lists of the gifts. And so if we were to try and build an entire doctrine around it, we'd fall short pretty much. But I want us to be aware of that as we go through this. Taking 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 and using it to develop it that way, this, or our understanding of the gifts as a whole, is, is really bad. And I would align it like something like this. It's like taking someone who's struggling to shoot free throws in basketball and saying, here's how you shoot a free throw. I mean, you're really struggling. You've got to keep your elbow in. You've got to focus on the front of the rim, and you've got to follow through, and you've got to flick the wrist, and that's how you shoot a free throw. And then taking that teaching of correcting them on a free throw and saying, that's how you play basketball. That's all there is to it. You don't have to worry about bringing the ball up the court or pick and roll or you know alley-oop passes or dribbling or any of that other stuff we're just gonna you know the free the correction of the missed free throw and that kind of stuff is is that's basketball so that that's not what we want to do here we don't we don't want to look at chapters 12 through 14 and say hey this is how we use spiritual gifts now there's some real practical things in shooting a free throw because you can shoot a a three-pointer, or you can shoot a layup that way, or you can do a lot of different things with the basketball that way, and that's really helpful, but it's not all-inclusive and doesn't tell us the details of everything that's going on, right? So that's not what we're going to do. We're going to take these practical things that Paul gives the church in Corinth and see how they apply to our lives in the church together today. I think that's going to be really, really helpful for us. So I just wanted to... Say that before we jump into chapter 14. Let's pray before we read chapters 14, 1 through 25. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. As we open it today, we pray that your Holy Spirit would shed light on this text. That you would give us understanding, Father. Open our minds and our hearts to your truth. We surrender and submit to your authority. Give us understanding, Father. Lord, I pray that you would use me. Give me the words to share. I surrender to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 14, pursue love. What a great thing to say right after the love chapter last week, right? Love, that's kind of the motivation behind all the gifts. It's the motivation for the Christian life. It's our motivation towards good works. It's our love for God and our love for others. Paul says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Now, just a quick note here. I think it's really important because we could get confused here on what he's talking about in tongues. Paul is not talking about ecstatic speech here. Some people think he's talking about ecstatic speech or some angelic tongue or something like that. He's not. He's actually, he is referring to known languages in the world. He's referring, now, how do we know that? Because he actually clarifies that in verse 10. So if we were to read down further in verse 10, he clarifies what he's talking about as far as tongues is concerned here. So, and we'll get there in just a minute, but I wanted to clarify that before we went any further. In verse 3, on the other hand, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Go ahead and underline those three. That's really important right there. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So here, what he's saying here is he's not saying that people that prophesy are better or, or greater in a sense of, of people than speak in tongues, right? That, so if you're using two different gifts, one gift's not greater than the other gift or better than the other gift. So we know that because earlier on, Paul really levels the playing fields as according to the gifts. And he, said, he says there's no... There's no better than. This isn't a one-upmanship. And you're not going to take your gift and get a badge and wear it around like you're the better person because you prophesy or because you have you know, this gift or that gift or other things. This is, this is not about us being better than one another. He's talking about the implications of the gifts and their uses and how the, they proliferate through the church and they bless so many people. So many people. That's the greater good, the common good for the church. And he's saying, listen, if you speak in tongues, nobody can understand you. You're just not doing anybody any good. But if you prophesy and you say these things that that upbuild and and, and encourage and console those around you, you're doing some really awesome stuff. This is great. So the first fill in your notes is this. Number one is seek to build up the church through edification, encouragement, and comfort. Edification. That's what he's talking about when he says Prophesy. Seek to build up the church through edification, encouragement, and comfort. Now, remember Paul's addressing a problem. Corinth had a problem with tongues. They were using this gift, and it was causing chaos, disorder in the worship services. Now, we can gather from the correction that Paul gives that one of the main things that led to the chaos or misuse of the gift of tongues was selfishness, selfishness. They were more concerned about this spiritual manifestation or this experience uh, than they they were worried about that and wanted that so much more than they were even concerned about their brothers and sisters in Christ who were there with them. They they really didn't care. They wanted to experience this, this supernatural manifestation and they weren't even considering their brothers and sisters in Christ who were there with them. Their gifts became about themselves and their experience, not others. Or as Paul says earlier on in the the earlier chapters, the common good, right? The gifts were given for the common good of the church. They They were not really considering the common good of the church at all or the proclamation of the gospel. Now, this is a hard one. This is a hard one. Because we want to be used by God, right? We want to be used by God. We want to use our spiritual gifts for God's kingdom. God's created us that way. In fact, uh, the Bible talks about before he created the world, he formed you, he knew you, and he had set aside good things for you to do. We believe that everyone has a mission, mission for God. We are all on a mission for God, and, and God's brought you here to use your gifts and your skills for his kingdom. Here at Mission View Church, you're not here by happenstance or accident. You're here on God's purpose. There's a purpose for you here. So we want to use these gifts. Now, here's what happens. This is, this is the great and, and, and difficult thing about using our gifts in the churches. When we use our gifts for God's kingdom, who gets more out of it, God's kingdom or us? How does it feel, right? It feels like us. I, I talk to people who serve here at Mission View Church, you know, I talk to people on the worship team or the people that serve in children's ministry or, or people on the staff or, or the elders or the deacons, and I talk to them about using their gifts, and they're just like, it's, it is amazing, but I feel like I get more out of it than even the kids that I'm teaching in kids' church. Or the community group, there's like, I I get more out of it than I think the people who are coming to my community group get out of it. I mean, it's just a huge blessing to be used by God in this way. And that's awesome. But what happens is, it can become about what we get out of it. We can can start using our gifts and receiving this grace and mercy from God, this blessing that comes along with using uh, our spiritual gifts for His kingdom and what starts out as a motivation for the common good that is selfless and for others can morph into a motivation for, I'm going to church to get, to get that warm fuzzy, to get that exciting experience, to, to feel good about myself and what I'm doing. And remember, now remember, we just came out of the chapter that talks about this love. That everything that we do is, is meant to be based out of and fueled by and motivated by the love that we have for God. Now, here, here's just something really practical and why this is a really bad place to get to, where our motivations are what we get out of it. And I, I'm not saying that we intentionally get there. You know, it's, I don't think we intentionally go there. I just think that sometimes using our gifts becomes such a great blessing that it becomes the main thing when the main thing is meant to be motivated by love. Here's, here's where it goes south. As we come and we get to use our gifts for our community group, and you, know, it's just like that huge blessing and we're doing it, and it's just great. We started out with that motivation of the common good, and others focus, but it's turned. it's become more about what I'm getting out of it. Our church, brothers and sisters in Christ, aren't always lovable. That's <laughs> not always uh, the unicorns and rainbows, right? The tornadoes and pterodactyls come out. And let's just be honest. None of us are lovable 100% of the time. So when our motivations shift and then our situation becomes difficult, what is going to sustain us? What sustains us through the difficult times? What sustains us when our community group, two people in our community group, start talking behind our backs and then leave? What happens when it becomes difficult in the classroom and the kids are just crazy? It's a full moon, right? What happens when we come to serve on the worship team and our in ear mix isn't right? The sound guy wasn't nice, and and the guitarist gave me a hard time. Not that that's ever happened to me. No, it has. You know what? What? What becomes? We just be like. We just get so discouraged. We're just like. Well, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just not getting out of it what I was getting out of it when I started. Whoa, whoa, wait a second. Right? The motivations, this is so, so, so important for us to grasp. Chapter 13. Chapter 13, you have this amazing love chapter that defines a biblical definition of love and our purpose and our motivation, the fuel, the fire of the love of God in us. And it's like an Oreo cookie it's the amazing cream that holds these two cookies together, but the cookies are this correction, right, of how to do this right. And, and remember, remember the overarching theme of 1 Corinthians, right, it's unity. That we would be unified. That we're here together. We're for one another. We are for one another. And there's difficult stuff we're going through, but, but we love each other because we love Jesus. And we love Jesus because he first loved us. And that love motivates me and and He gives me the encouragement and the strength to love people that aren't always lovable, to care for people that don't always care for me. This blessing of serving we receive can morph into the motivation for why we do what we do. And that's where things go all kinds of wrong. We see two different... Blessings in using our gifts. One is that personal building up, and the other is the building up of the church. And both of those things are good things. It is great to receive that blessing in using your gifts. But just don't let that be the motivation. Keep that main thing the main thing, serving for the common good. And because we love the Lord, when we do things, you know what? I may let you down that your brother or sister in Christ may let you down. But I'll tell you this, God will never, ever let you down. He is perfect. And His love never ends. It's kindness and grace and mercy. And that chapter 13 is a definition of Him. It is who He is. He says that He is love. So therefore, chapter 13 is a perfect definition of your Father in heaven. We may let each other down, but God will never let us down. Let Him be the motivation for what we do. Amen? That's a good word. That's a really good word. Verse 6, Paul explains even more as we move on. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world And none is without meaning. There's that that verse I was talking about earlier. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. There it is, that building up again. Verse 13, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will, I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen or I agree to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Ouch. Wow. I would rather speak five words to give in some instruction than 10,000 words in a tongue. Wow. That's a strong statement. Second, fill in your is this. Don't let spiritual gifts be a distraction in the church gathering. Don't let spiritual gifts be a distraction in the church gathering. Paul is driving a point home here, man. I mean, he is really drilling it down. When he says, that I would rather speak five words than 10,000 words in tongues. Don't get caught up in the supernatural experience or manifestation. Do what is best for the common good for your brothers and sisters in Christ, for the good of the church, the building up. Now he's addressing this misuse of tongues, but but this principle goes across the board. Don't let anything be a distraction from the proclamation of the gospel or the orderly gathering of the church. The church in Corinth and, and we today need to remember why it is we gather together. We have to get back to the basics. Why do we gather together? What are the things that God has told us to do when we gather together? In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, he says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is, this is great stuff, that we are, we're to meet together to stir one another up to love and good works. Man, that's a great statement, isn't it? That we would encourage one another, encouraging one another. There are seven things I want to point out to us today that are really important, that are, are, are gathering together as the saints, as, as the church, seven things we have the opportunity to do when we do this on Sunday mornings. The first one is corporate worship. The first one is corporate worship. When we gather together, we have this opportunity. That's why uh, we have a band here that they volunteer, use their talents and skills to, to lead us in worship. We are singing songs about God and to God that declare His glory, His majesty, His sovereignty. His grace, His mercy, these songs align with Scripture, they are scripturally true, and we sing these songs in rhythm, we have a drummer that keeps us all on beat, which is really hard for me, you know, stay on that beat, clapping on the two and four, not the one and three, right? Ken got that one, we got got a a musician in here somewhere, but anyways, yeah, so it keeps us on time that we're kind of unified musically there, rhythmically, I should say. And then we have these melodic instruments like the piano and the guitar, and they kind of lead us through the melody that we're singing the same notes together. Well, most of us, anyway. We're singing the same notes together. And then we have all of this in harmony with the different vocal parts that are happening. So we're unified rhythmically, melodically, and scripturally that we have this opportunity. Now, there's something amazing and special To be standing beside your brothers and sisters in Christ and hearing their voice praise God. Hearing their voice submitting to God's word. Hearing their voice repenting and asking for forgiveness in song. Hearing their voice share the encouragement of the gospel and the good news. Hearing their voice cry out, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. There's something about standing beside our brothers and sisters in Christ, singing that in unity. That's why the Bible tells us to do it. You know, the one who created you knows what's best for you. He loves you. And and He doesn't command us to gather together because He's up there just being mean. No. His commands are based out of His love for us. So everything that He commands us is for our good are meant to be a blessing in our lives. What what a great opportunity we have to gather together. Did you know that we have brothers and sisters in Christ on this planet that can't do this? They can't gather together and sing. They can't gather together and open God's Word and read it to grow in their understanding of who He is. They get killed for it murdered and we have the opportunity to come and sing together we have the opportunity the second thing is the proclamation of god's word that we can come together in freedom and open up this word and read it and, and be encouraged by it like we could just open and say i could say this trust in the lord with all your heart And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in God, brother. Trust in God, sister. He loves you. He's going to protect you and guide you. You may not understand everything. (laughs) We don't. We don't understand everything. But he says, don't trust in your understanding. Trust in him. He's got your back. We, we, We can do this. We, have, we get to do this. Do you know what a gift this is? The third thing is that we can serve one another. We have the opportunity. What, you know, all the, as we've been going through 1 Corinthians, it's become just really obvious. I don't know if you've picked up on it or not, but God really plans on us getting together as a church and using our gifts. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, it is on every, almost in every verse that we've been going through for like the last three months, right? That there's this expectation, this, this the, I was going to say unspoken expectation, but it's a spoken expectation that we would gather together, that we would love one another, that we would share our lives together, and we would be vulnerable with one another, that we would use our gifts for, God says, the common good, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, for the building up, encouraging, and consoling of the church and uh, it's just unavoidable, people. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is unavoidable. There are so many one another's in the New Testament. It's just, it, it's, it's there. We cannot, we cannot deny it. There is no such thing as, you know, Lone Ranger Christianity. There's no such thing as solo, going solo. The church is a body of believers with a leadership of elders, with a servitude of deacons. That we would gather together. This is, not, this is not a community group in your house. I, I hate to say it. It's not a community group in your house. There's leadership and, and other things. The Bible makes clear that happened, that we are to gather together. That's why those brothers and sisters in Christ that we have in other parts of the world that can't gather together, they gather together anyways. And that's why some of them are dying. Because they read the New Testament and they say, You know what? The Bible says we need to gather together. I know that if I go out and I get caught, it's 3 a.m., we're in the basement of a warehouse that's in an abandoned part of the city, and if we get caught, I'm going to die, but I'm going to go and do it anyways because the Bible commands me to. We have an opportunity to serve one another. The other is corporate prayer, number four. We have the opportunity to pray together with one another. That we bring prayer requests before the lord and it, it really it really gives us opportunity to focus on things that we could pray for summit church down the street tom hogshead and jeff dayton and you know uh the north canton cares food pantry that we could lift them up in prayer and pray that god's kingdom is just expanded by the ministry that they're doing that we could lift up butch persley and bruce rosa and and at, at maranatha bible church and see the kingdom of god just do amazing things for the kingdom it gets us out of this you know just mission views kingdom and everything else no we we are a small part of a huge work that god is doing prayer reminds us of who god is and who we are in our prayer or supplication or asking for things from god it reminds us that we are a dependent people We are a dependent people. We desperately need God. And we desperately need more of God. Prayer reminds us of that. In corporate prayer together, we're unified in that vulnerability. Number five, Christian fellowship. This gives us a great opportunity for Christian fellowship. There is, it's just an amazing thing that happens as we gather together. And, and it happens almost every week at our community group as we're getting together, like uh, trying to put things together and vacuuming, cleaning the house. And everybody's getting ready to come over. And there's all this work that goes into it. And you're like, oh, you know, trying to get things ready. And you're like, oh man, I, I don't know if I'm as prepared as I wanted to be for this. and And then you have community group and and you, you start telling these stories that God's doing things in your life, you know, and you're talking about the scriptures and what God's doing and, and you're growing in your understanding and, and sharing with one another and you're hearing other people's understanding of God's word and, and that just encourages you. You hear that and you're like, oh man, I didn't even get that. I, but that's brilliant. That's amazing that, that that's so true in your life and I see that in my life. and Man, that's just really encouraging. Or, or maybe it happens like this. You're talking to somebody, a brother and sister of Christ, or, and then they're saying, oh man, I've had this real struggle with my daughter. You know, she's you know, 11 years old going through this. This has been unbelievable, and she's dealing with this, and I just don't know how to handle this. And that, that other believer looks across to you, and they're like, oh man, when my daughter was 11 she went through that exact thing. You're not going to believe this, but we prayed about it, and went through this, and we tried this, this, and this, and then we did this, and it was amazing what God did through that. And you're sitting there going, that's great, man, that's exactly what I needed. God just does that in Christian fellowship. It's so encouraging to talk and share our God stories with one another. Number six, we get to celebrate the sacraments together. It's celebrate, I really mean celebrate That we get to take communion, the sacraments we celebrate here at Mission View Church is baptism and communion, the Lord's Supper. That we can come together and celebrate what God's doing in someone's life as they follow Jesus in baptism. That beautiful picture that baptism paints, that we're dying to sin and being raised to new life in Christ, we celebrate that as a church together. That's why we play music as people are being baptized and we're worshiping together. We are celebrating a changed life. That Jesus has invaded somebody's heart and life and has changed them, and we celebrate alongside of them. And then we celebrate communion. As we gather together, we remember the sacrifice that Christ has made for us. And we're standing with, beside one another, remembering, acknowledging the sacrifice that Christ has made. Those symbols of his blood, the grape juice, the symbol of his broken body the bread. We do that together with one another. Number seven, it's an opportunity for us to obey. Coming to church on Sunday mornings is an opportunity for us to obey, that God commands us to gather together, to serve one another, to be with one another. We have an opportunity to obey. And this is another really cool. And the last one, number eight, is it is a witness to the world. It is a witness to the world that this group of people have been changed by the glory and power and presence of God so much so that we're willing to give up our Sunday mornings, get up early, get the kids ready, get them dressed, Wipe all the syrup off their face from the pancakes that they've eaten and miss the syrup that we have on our face and go to church and show up on a Sunday morning and spend an hour of time or an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half of time dedicated to God, hearing from His Word, worshiping Him, praising Him, bowing at His feet and saying He's the one worthy of all praise, glory and honor. And no one else is. It's a witness to the world that we would do this. And let me just say this too. As our culture continues to digress, regress from Christian moral standards, this gathering will become more and more a witness to the world. I think 40 years ago, 50 years ago, it was just easy and expected. But as our culture has shifted over time and continues to quickly shift, let me just say, quickly shift from a biblical moral standard, this type of gathering will become more and more a witness to the world that there is only one who is worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. And his name is Jesus Christ. Those are just eight things. I could could go on and have a 10-week sermon series on these things, but I'm just going to give you those eight. These are some of the opportunities we have in our gathering together. These are some of the things God has made clear for us in Scripture that are for our good. We should not let anything become a distraction or disruption from those things. Those are the things He has given us. Is it easy? Not always. Can it be painful and hard? Sometimes, (laughs) right? Can it be the most amazing and life-changing thing you ever do? Yes. Yes, it will be. This is God's way. This is the way that God has set for us. And God's way is always better than our way. So go on, verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Wow. Wow. Verse 22, thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are all out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Awesome stuff! That's the witness to the world. As we come together, and, and the definite—you know—Paul gives us a really clear definition of prophecy earlier on in our text, right? What were those three things? Building up, it was encouragement, consolation. Edification. There's your clear, clear definition of what Paul's referring to. And he says prophecy here. The third fill in he notes is this: spiritual gifts build up the church and witness to the world. There's a twofold thing that happens. Our spiritual gifts build up the church. It's a common good for the church, and it is a witness to the world. Now here, Paul is quoting Isaiah 28:11, and he's, Isaiah is actually quoting Deuteronomy 28:49. Tongues are meant to be for unbelievers who speak another language. Tongues are meant to be for an unbeliever who speaks another language so that they can understand what's being taught or, or revealed in the church meeting. And it's to be used for evangelism, the proliferation of the gospel message. Paul is saying, you are all speaking in tongues, and an outsider or foreigner enters, it's all going to sound like noise to them. It's just going to be a hot mess. They're going to just think you're crazy. Chaos is not good disorderly worship is not good. But if you prophesy or speak the word of the Lord for encouragement, strengthening, or comfort, the Holy Spirit is going to do his thing by bringing conviction of sin, encouragement, and comfort. This will affect the pre-Christian in such a way that it would give opportunity for confession And then they're gonna worship God and they're gonna declare that God is among you. This is a phenomenal verse. I love this. I, I, I love what God is saying here. Do you know what this means? He's saying that when we come together and we do this church thing, and you're using your gifts and you're serving each other, and we're serving each other, and we're doing what God's called us to do, and we're on mission for God, and He's in our meetings. That means, like, the power and the presence of God is right here, right now, for you and me. And as we're hearing God's word, we're singing God's word, we're living God's word, those people who are here that don't know Jesus yet, and I know there's a few of you here, what you're experiencing is the power and the presence of God to change your life. And that, 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 what you're feeling in your heart right now, that, that, that friction, that, that calling, that wooing, that drawing near, that is the Holy Spirit drawing you to your Savior God. Wow! What an opportunity! This is, this is amazing. What that means for us is we have to invite our unbelieving neighbors and family members and coworkers workers we can't keep this to ourselves. I mean, if, if we really believe God's word, if we really believe that, that he's going to do what he just said he's going to do, and I believe it, then we got we to tell people. We got to bring them. We got to fill this place up so that the Holy Spirit can change people's eternal destiny. People's lives are at stake. People's eternities are at stake. And he's saying, man, as you gather together and you use your gifts in the right way, you're serving one another for the common good. The Holy Spirit shows up and changes people's lives. Man. Yeah, here's the crazy thing. All of us who are here today and know Jesus, that actually happened to you. That actually happened to me but here's the thing we have we have this like short memory or something like like we forget we have a tendency to forget like who I was and where I was going before Christ changed me like 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 I had I was I was destined to be separated from my creator for all eternity if it weren't for the grace and mercy of God. All of us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are in desperate need for a Savior. And then He shows up and He does this miraculous work of change. And a year later, ten years later, six months later, it's like amnesia or something. We forget about this amazing mercy. Mercy. We forget about this life-changing grace. We forget what the gospel has done in, for, and through me. And Paul's just reminding us right here. Man, when you gather together, when my word is proclaimed, when you're serving one another, when you're using your gifts, when you're on mission for me, I'm going to show up and man, those people who don't know me, they're going to know me. They're going to know me because of what I am doing. Man, that's awesome stuff. Hmm. Bring your friends that don't know Jesus to church. Let them witness firsthand the kindness joy, and blessing it is to be a part of the family of God. It doesn't matter what they're going through or what they are dealing with. I promise you this, they will be loved here at Mission View Church. We will pour out the love and kindness, compassion, and grace of God on them with every word, with every look, with every handshake, with every nod, because that's the love that God showed us. We want to create an atmosphere here at Mission View Church that when people come, they experience the power and presence of the living God. We do that with like an over-the-top first impressions team. I mean, they even wear t-shirts. I mean, they're out there, they're shaking hands and they're answering questions. We do that with a worship that's done with excellence by people who just volunteer their time and energy and practice and practice and practice. We do that by teaching that's directly from the scriptures and practically applied to our lives today. Lord, help me. We do that with fellowship and hospitality that is inclusive and caring. We really want to know how you're doing. We really want to hear about what's going on in your life. We want to be honest and real. Mission View isn't a church where you come on and put on your Sunday best. Don't wear a mask. Well, you know what I mean. Don't wear wear a mask. Be yourself is what I'm saying. Be yourself. And you know what? Come as you are. You will be loved. Because that's who God is. We don't believe that you have to clean up your life before you come to Jesus. We believe that you come to Jesus because he's the only one who can clean up our lives. We are a church on mission around the world with missionaries and mission organizations, but we're on mission right here in North Canton, here in Ohio, reaching the 200,000 that claim no spiritual affiliation at all in Stark County and the surrounding areas that need Jesus and need to experience what we have experienced in the person of Jesus Christ. The gospel realized is the gospel mobilized. You cannot experience a relationship with the creator of the universe. You cannot experience life change by the gospel and the grace and the goodness of God and then not do anything with it. If you're not doing anything with it, you haven't experienced it. You cannot experience the gospel and the working of Jesus Christ and not be inclusive and tell people about it. It just doesn't work that way. We are changed. We are a changed people. When you get it, when the gospel hits home and it's unveiled by the Holy Spirit in your heart and mind, you have to share it. Man, this is I, I love how Paul is just going through this text and all of the really practical application he gives us here. Uh, just this past week, as we went through last uh, week's sermon and talked through things, I had so many people email me um, and send me ideas of, of what God's calling them to do. They want to serve and use their gifts. They want to, you know, do what God's called them to do. It's amazing. And here, in, as we've worked our way into chapter 14, Paul gives us even more, more direction and, and uh, encouragement to, to go after the lost, to see that they would experience what we have been able to experience. I want us to be a church that gets the gospel so much that we're inviting everybody. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who they are, what they're doing, what they're dealing with. You, you know what? Here's, here's, the, here's the truth. This is the fact of the matter. People don't know, don't know Jesus. We shouldn't expect them to act like and live like they know Jesus right? so Those people that don't know Jesus, they're not going to believe what you believe. They're not going to live how you live. Their moral compass isn't going to align with your moral compass. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. The Bible says, and what we just studied, what we just just read through is that when they come and they experience love and grace, God's presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, God's going to do something in them. That's what what he's saying. So I just want to encourage you, don't hesitate. Don't, and they they don't have to look like us. They don't I'll just tell you, they're not gonna look like us. They're not gonna sound like us. They're not gonna smell like us. (laughs) That's because they don't have the Holy Spirit. Bring them, invite them, and know this we will love them. We will love them. And we will share the truth in love with them you know what somebody gave you that opportunity somebody invited you maybe it was your mom and dad that brought you to church when you were growing up maybe it was that coworker who just you know opened his bible at lunch every day and finally talked to you we're all here because somebody brought us here and there's people in your life that need to be brought let's be a church that brings people to witness the power and presence of God. Amen? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts through this. What what a great challenge you've laid before us. That we use our gifts for one another and for your kingdom, for your glory this selfless act of serving one another because of the great love we have found in Jesus Christ, your Son. And Father, I thank you for what your word says happens when we gather together, the opportunity to be a witness to the world that those coming that don't know you could come into relationship with you by witnessing and seeing your power and your presence, Father. God, help us to be an inviting church. Help us to be a loving church And help us to reach those that don't know you. Father, we surrender to you. Do what you want to do in and through our lives. We submit to you. And we surrender our will to your will. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.